Welcome back to the Circle C Reach podcast. In this episode, our founder, Mr. West, is talking about the one thing that will grow your church like nothing else. He is talking about leading a prayer meeting. One of the most important meetings, if not the most important meeting in the church, is prayer meeting. Dr. Toza made this statement. He said, Christians are bored with God. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, if you have a Southern Gospel Quartet, your evening service, why well, you have a nice crowd. He said, how many people show up to a meeting when the only attraction is God? He says, that's your prayer meeting. While I was at Bob Jones University, they brought back a graduate from the school who had four years before started a church, and I believe it was Spartanburg, South Carolina. Dr. Bob asked him about the church, and the kid was very excited about it. He said, I understand you have a good morning service. Yeah, Dr. Bob, we run around 400. Evening service? Yeah, about 400. What about your prayer meeting? Well, we have over 600 at prayer meeting. He turned to us, any questions? Of course, every hand goes up. What do you do? And he gave us the answer on how you can build your prayer meeting. I know, I've tried it. It works. It's fantastic. I mentioned that if if you remember in the last session about going to about this church, having to mark their Bible for sorting. Well, that same church, I said I was going to sell, center the entire ministry of that time I was with them around prayer meeting. And, of course, they said they only had 11 in prayer meeting. I said, that will change. And that Sunday morning, I said, you people know me because I was from the area. I said, I want to ask a question. How many of you here, that you're born again, you have a loved one, a friend, someone that you know, that you care about, and you honestly don't believe they're going to heaven, but you'd like to see them there. May I see your hand? Every hand went up. I said, keep them up, please. The ushers were informed. They went and gave me each a prayer, a three-by-five card. I said, when you get one, get that. You can put your hand down. If you need a pen, we'll give you that. And when they were ready to go, I said, write your name at the top. They did. I said, underneath, put your prayer requests. If it's a loved one, you don't want to mention their name. I said, fine, just... Write down an unsaved loved one. But let us know what we're praying for. When you get finished, turn your card down, pass it to the aisle. I should brought up to me. I didn't know, but I had 151 cards. I said, now, and I held the cards up. These are your prayer requests. Now, every day I walk in the dining hall at the camp, and I, I will pray for these prayer requests for you and the ones you're praying for. I'll do it every day That's part of, as part of my prayer ministry. I said, remember, these are your prayer requests. Now, Wednesday we're having prayer meetings. No, we're not having Bible study. No, we're not having a song service. We are going to pray for these prayer requests. That's it. If they're your request and you meant what you said, I'll see you in prayer meeting. There were 73 that next week. Then the month, we had it just under 100. I said to my wife, I wish you could stay for two more months. I'd have everybody in church come to prayer meeting. But we prayed for those prayer requests, and we had souls saved in the service because of those prayer requests. I remember one Dear mother, she was holding a little baby. She mentioned a name. Who's got that card? And man, I got that card. So that's my daddy. She's marked down, saved. I led him to Christ this afternoon the way we were taught by Mr. West. It was amazing what God was doing. Our prayer meeting, what we did is here's how we worked it. We'd pass out the prayer cards. Now, at the beginning, we had more prayer cards. We had people pray, so we'd take two prayer cards. Then I would give one verse of Scripture on prayer, and then we'd divide up into groups of three and four all over the auditorium. And then I said, now pray for the prayer request. And when you're finished praying for your prayer request, and they're all done, if you have a personal prayer request, share it with the people and they can pray for that. And I said, when you're all finished, we'll meet back here at the front. And this we did. We come back to the front. I said, there anybody here that's got a next suburb and you'd really want us to pray for someone. 
we ended up having about another two-hour prayer meeting. I had the leaders of Awana Club come to me and say, Pastor West is what they call me. Could we not have a one-night change? We want to come to prayer meeting. It's phenomenal. Prayer is absolutely unbelievable. And this is the way you can build your prayer meeting. Now, there were 134 of us pastors that went to hear Leonard Raven. He was going to be for a week at this place. And he was talking, he started out talking about the God we serve and all the rest. He said, I want to tell you a story. And he got real excited about it. He was a missionary and his African companion over in in Africa. And they were going to have to go from one place to another, go through this communist area. And they're always told, keep going, don't ever stop because it could be in big trouble. And he said, as they got to the very middle of the place they were supposed to keep going through, they had a blowout. Side of the tire blew right out. So they quickly got out, got the equipment, changed the tire, and to their utter dismay, didn't have a tire. Missionary bowed and said, Lord, what do I do? The Lord says, pump the tire. The Lord, there's a hole in it, pump the tire. So he said to his associate, pump the tire. He said, there's a hole in it, I know, pump the tire. Pumped the tire and held as hard as could be, all the way to the mission field in the air, let out. How about that, boys? We were all, oh, praise God, and all the rest, and he looked at us. He says, you get excited over that? I'm talking about the God that spoke, and the worlds were created by the breath of his mouth. The heavens and all their hosts were created. I'm talking about that kind of a God, and you get excited about a little hole in a little tire here on earth? What kind of God are you serving? Let me tell you, it was great for us, because all of us had to kind of hold our head. What in the world is that all about? He said, I'm going to teach you about prayer. And he taught us about extended nights of prayer, how to pray. So at the end of these sessions, six pastors met in my parsonage for a night of prayer. About 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord met us in a wonderful way. Oh, we all were just thrilled. We were Christians and ministers in the gospel. And then Gene Barrett, dear friend of mine who's now in glory, passed away just a year ago. He said, Wes, why don't we meet for a night of prayer together? His church was about 20 miles from mine. I said, I think it'd be a great idea. So we went on Thursday. We met at 10 o'clock at night, and we prayed, and we were there until 7 in the morning. Here's how we did it. I'm a piano player. He was a singer. So we sang. We read the scriptures. We shared testimonies. We prayed. We walked and prayed. We kneeled and prayed. We laid on the floor and prayed. We sat and prayed. And we did this every week. In the morning, we were as refreshed as if we had slept all night long. Fantastic. Well, after my time at the church, and at my, I might add, at our prayer meeting, everybody came to prayer meeting. Our prayer meeting was packed. Everybody came to prayer meeting, and we divided into groups, the <clears throat> girls and the young people, and boys and young people, and the big group, we'd pray for the prayer cards. And prayer meetings went on for three, four hours. I mean, people just love coming to prayer meeting. Why? God was there. When God visits, it's... It's the place you want to be. I left that, and I was called of God and to go to Youth for Christ. I went to their director school, and Dr. Bob Cook, whom I respected mm-hmm. so much, said, fellows, I don't know if you've ever been a night of prayer, but Wednesday's our night of prayer here at training. He says, so um, be prepared. Well, I'd been in prayer meeting like that. That was my crowd. We had a prayer meeting again, 3, 4 in the morning. God visited us. We were hugging each other, thanking God we were in the ministry, being able to reach kids for Christ. I went to Winona Lake that summer. And Thursday night was their night of prayer. About 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, laying prostrate on the floor was Dr. Bob Cook, Billy Graham, founder of Youth for Christ, Tori Johnson, all other evangelists, Hilding Ellison, 
all the boys were there on their faces before the Lord crying out, oh God, do a miracle. That's what made Youth for Christ great. I said, that's my kind of crowd. I just loved it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon mentioned the fact that when he would preach in his service, he had 50 men downstairs praying for him while he's preaching. <clears throat> you know, you can do the same in your church. Yeah, if you've got 12 board members, have three in us each Sunday. Just before the preaching starts, the last song, they can slip downstairs and together they can pray. Let me tell you, it really works. This is something you can do. You can build your church through a God-blessed ministry of prayer. But how do you pray and get answers? First thing you do is you pray in the first person singular pronoun. Psalm 51, David, 35 times prayed in the first person singular pronoun. It's me. It's not we need revival. I need a revival. It's not we need to get right with you. I need to get right with you. Make it personal. Second, you got to be right with God. Search me, O God, and know my heart, said the psalmist in 139th Psalm. We've got to make sure we're right with the Lord. Make sure you're in the place where you can say, I am crucified with Christ. The third thing is the right motives. James 4, 3 says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You ask to consume it upon your own lust. You've got to have the asking that is gives from the right motive. Why do you want this? Why do we want souls saved at Circle C Ranch? So we can say we had kids saved? No. For the glory of the Lord, because Jesus died for them, and he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Then fourth, you have to have right asking, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have, and if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us, and if we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we answered of him. I'll come back to that in just a moment. The fifth thing, you got to believe God. Jesus answering, saith unto them in Mark eleven twenty two and 24, have faith in God. Therefore I say unto you what things wherever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. The sixth thing is you be persistent. You know the story of the unjust judge in Luke 18. And he said, I don't fear God or man, but this woman's going to drive me crazy. I'll give her what she wants. Jesus, how much more your heavenly father wants to answer you? And then when the answer comes, give God the glory. The Lord, Isaiah 42, 8, that is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, nor my praise to grieve in images. And 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatsoever thou doest, do all to the glory of God. But that secret of right asking, I had the most wonderful parents. My dad was the greatest personal witness for Christ I ever met in my life, and a soul winner. You see, he felt he was called to preach, and he did preach in churches and that, but he had a physical ailment that kept him from being the evangelist he wanted to be. God had a better plan. God allowed him to be a mailman. And my dad had the gift of witnessing like I had never seen. He witnessed to everybody on his route. Told him about Jesus. He would win people to Christ right in their homes. And then when he finished witnessing to the entire people on his route, God would move him to another route. My dad would go down to the mission, preach and weep over those men, and he'd come. The mission man told me after dad passed away, he said, I knew men would be at the altar getting saved when your dad preached. He had such a hunger to win them to Christ. The important thing about that is my dad would go down, put his arm around those men, and they smelled bad. Many of them vomit and all the rest. The doctor mentioned to dad he had, the ailment he had. Is if he ever had to vomit, he would die because he had the closure in his pipes of where the food would go. 
And I said, Dad, he said, the Lord takes the smell away. I don't smell a thing, son. Winning him to Jesus. <clears throat> but my mother was the prayer warrior. And I, I never seen a woman get more answers to prayer. I mean, we had divine healing. I, I was stricken dumb in three years, uh, through third grade. I was never to speak again. And uh, something had taken over. My dad was going to mortgage the home and take me to the high-class medical men in Minnesota. And they, the doctor said nothing will help him. He's going to be... Yeah, not a, he won't be able to speak the rest of his life. And one night, Mother, in her usual way of with the Word of God, and I'll share that with you in a moment, God said, it's time. She went back, put her hand on my head, says, Lord Jesus, healed my boy. The peace of God that passes understanding flooded her heart. She said, thank you. It was no longer faith. It was fact. The next morning, there just the three of us. I'm an only child. Dad was going to say, grace for the breakfast. Mother said, I'd like someone else to pray. And he thought she wanted to pray. He said, go ahead, Mother. He said, no, I like it. Wesley pray. I looked at him. And I looked at her, and I said, you know, I can't talk. And I was talking. And Dad looked at him, Mom, why don't you tell me? Oh, she said, I wanted to surprise you. I said, Mom, you get answered answer the prayer. Like, I've never seen. How, how do you do it? She said, son, if you do it right, you don't ever have to get a no. Wait a while, but you don't have to get a no. But what you have to do, and there it is in First John 5, this is the confidence we have that we have, we ask in accordance to his will. He says, she said, what I do, son, is I take my Bible. And I'd see her two and three hours sitting in the rocker rocking, reading her Bible and praying, reading her Bible and praying. She said, I seek to find the will of God. We pray, Lord, if it be thy will. Mom didn't pray that way. She said, Lord, show me your will. And when she found the will of God, she'd go to prayer and say, thank you, Lord. It was no longer, as I said, faith. It was fact. We need to learn how to pray. Search the scriptures. Find out. God is not willing that any should perish. You got that. Well, then we have a right to pray for the unsaved. We have a right to get a burden for the unsaved. We have a right to go after them through the ministry of prayer. It's called uh, so winning through prayer. Now, you've got to remember, nothing is impossible with God. Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 1, and chapter 18, all, all of these four verses tell us the very same. Nothing is impossible with God. The awesome, mighty power of God, John 15, 70, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. I love Jeremiah. I just love it. 32, verse 27, verse 17, and 33, 3. Now, I'm not Jeremiah, but I stick my name in there. God said, Jeremiah, he says, Wesley, I am the Lord of the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And I respond, oh, Lord God, behold us. May the heavens and the earth by their great power and stretch thy arm. There is nothing too hard for thee. Well, son, if you believe that, then call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which you can't even imagine. John 16, 24, Jesus said, If you ask nothing in my name, ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full, fullness of joy. Now, we need to understand, you can build your permit. That's the powerhouse. Today, Most so many churches, I think, could be most churches, don't even have permit. But the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Bill Stewart, who I mentioned before, I asked him one day, I said, Bill, what about this praying? Pray without ceasing. He said, well, Wes, you're in such a contact with the Lord that you go about your daily business, and all of a sudden your mind's in neutral, it automatically goes to Jesus. You start talking to him. And you pray for the unsaved person that God's put on your heart. And you pray for those people. It's a tremendous opportunity. And then the challenge to give to you and your people in prayer. First of all, you can build your permit and you pray for the unsaved. 
But if you want a real challenge, this was given to me, and boy, I've taken it. It's terrific. Get a hold of an atlas. There are 50 states there. And if you pray for one state a week, in 50 weeks, you've prayed for the entire country. Then you got Canada. They got 10 provinces. And you can pray for the five western provinces and the five eastern provinces. Western provinces of British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario. I know the provinces well because I lived in Canada for nine years. Then you pray for the eastern provinces. That means Quebec, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland, and what they call the Prince Edward Islands. You pray for these every day. Who do you pray for? Well, you start out, you pray for the Bible-believing pastor and his family. You guys that are pastors, you know what it's like. Your families are targets, the enemy like mad. So you pray for the Bible-believing pastors. You pray that their church might know the joys of revival. You pray for the president, the governor, the federal representatives in Congress, the state reps. You pray for the USA and Canada, as I mentioned. You pray for the foreign countries in the world. You pray for an awakening, revival, renewal, and reformation. Now, revival is a word that's used, they say revival services and all of that, and that's wonderful. But what is a real revival? God was so good to me. He's allowed me to be in three of them. The first one I was in, I was on a plane going from Toronto to Winnipeg. I was going to be speaking that Saturday night at Youth for Christ. And the next morning, I was going to start at a little town in that area that was, oh, had about 2,000 people maybe 3,000. It was a small town, but it was Mennonite church I was going to be in. Our plane was four hours late. They couldn't get a, another plane to take over, and they had to work on the engine, the retractable situation, so they could stop the plane. So we were four hours. And I was reading Dr. George Mundell's book. We'll talk about him in the next session. And I was reading how the, the God-controlled cross-bearing person, a crucified life. It was his too. And I started to read, and I read it, and we finally got airborne, and I finished reading it just as we were circling over Winnipeg. And I didn't know anybody else was on the plane. Tears were being wiped away, and I said, Lord, I'm yours. You know I am. I don't want to be no one else's. You're everything, and I read about it. God had a reason for that because he was going to show me something. He didn't want me to get my hands on his glory. So I preached to Youth for Christ. We had a terrific rally. I mean, I forget how many kids came forward. It was exciting. I was just thrilled. The next day, I went down at this church a Sunday morning. The first thing the pastor said to me is, don't tell any jokes. My people don't laugh. It was a Mennonite church. Well, I wasn't there as a comedian. So I sat on the platform, and they were going through the, the deal, and there were about oh, 400 people in the auditorium and up on the balcony, about 50 teenagers. And during the whole preliminaries, they were goofing off. Oh, so when the prayer had, I, you can put your hand over your eyes. You can see through the cracks. And I wanted to see if they were, I'm sure they were laughing, having a good time. I thought, I got to shut them up. That's for sure. I got up to preach and forgot all about them. I started to preach and all of a sudden I saw them goofing off. I stopped. I said, may I have attention, please? 400 people gave me their attention, but the kids never even heard me. I did it three times. Finally, I put my hand, hands around the microphone and I whistled. And I got a loud whistle in a German Mennonite church on a Sunday morning. You don't do that. I did. Those kids, they turn like mad. I said, good, I got your attention. Now, you listen carefully. I came all the way from Toronto. I didn't come here to have you disturb this meeting. You've been goofing off all morning. Now, either you shut up or get out. Because ushers, I'm going to ask you to put them out if they don't quit. I will not have that. 
I looked at the people and they're glaring at me like mad. I said, quit glaring at me. If they're your children, you ought to be ashamed. They don't know how to behave in church. I'm going to pray again. In my heart, I said, Lord, I've opened my big mouth. I'm in big trouble. Please. And outwardly, I said, Lord, you know what needs to be done. Please do it. I didn't preach 15 minutes. The presence of God visited that auditorium. And I looked at the people. I said, look, the invitation is if you want to do business with God, kneel right where you are. 400 people knelt. 50 kids walked out. We were there for two hours. Sobs that went on. People praying for souls. Uh, oh, Lord, I've never seen something like this. When we finally left and had lunch, the pastor never said anything about whistling. All he said is, oh, if only come back. I said, what do you have? He's about 150. That night there were 900 there. People had gotten on the phone. God's in this place. This church held 1,000. It was almost packed. I didn't know if I was going to preach once or twice or not at all. God took over. People would break out and singing at the beginning. Their preliminaries were the, oh, how I love Jesus, amazing grace. And Monday night, slow night, they were standing around the walls, 1,100 people. So we put in closed-circuit television in every place. We could hold over 2,000, and they packed it out every night. People would come at 6 o'clock. The service didn't start till 7. Just to be there, God was there. We had souls saved. We had to call Winnipeg and said, send us 500 more. Follow-up material, he said, sound like having a revival. I said, we are. I'd never been in one. I sat there, and I watched God. It's almost scary. I saw an usher say, no, no, in the balcony. He said, no, no. And I thought he's saving us a friend. All of a sudden, he nodded, and he came in. 24 black leather jacket guys in the very first row of the balcony. What had happened, they were the motorcycle game, came to cause problems, and the kids outside said, before you cause problems, why don't you see what's going on? They said, yeah, let's do it, and they came in. And I watched these kids within the first two minutes. Every single one of those kids had their heads in their hands. God was there. So I got up 20 minutes before the service started. I said, uh, the service is going to start in 20 minutes, but I want your attention. I'm going to tell you about how to get to heaven. I gave them the plan of salvation. Sinner can't save yourself. Jesus can save you. Repent and receive Christ. I said, if you'd like to accept Jesus before the service starts, will you come on? Every one of those black leather jacket guys came. There were others. About 40 came before the service started. Came to know Christ. I had never seen anything like this. One night, three kids got saved, and they came to me afterwards and said, Wes, we stole them. We could go to jail. I said, did you accept Christ? Do you mean it? Yeah. I says, God will take care of you, boys. I said, I'll pray. And we prayed with them. I says, you take care of what you have to do. I got a call next day from what we would call the sheriff here. He says, you the preacher told those kids to whatever they did, they had to make it ready. They said they stole the return. Yeah, he said, what am I going to do with 400 hubcaps? Well, I said, well, I'm not absolutely sure, but why don't you put them out? And if people have hubcaps, take them. And what's left, sell them, offer them for sale, and give the money to the church. Good idea, preacher, we'll do it. The kids, I don't know how they got away with that. But I saw the move of God. I thought I'd be there for probably three, four weeks at least. Nope. One week is all God wanted. He says, Wes, I just wanted you to see what I can do without any sponsorship. I'm God. Well, what I found out is those people that had a 24-hour prayer clock for three months, not a spot was left unprayed for. Round the clock, God says, I answer prayer. Oh, it was amazing. I could tell you story after story because of time I won't. But let me tell you about the other. I have two others, but one more. It was in the, in, this one was in the province of Manitoba, and the other was in the province of Saskatchewan. 
And gentleman called Devon Mullen, he's in heaven now. I couldn't have asked for a more godly man to be a song leader and soloist. He was fine, what a voice. And oh, he just brought heaven down. In fact, one night I had him do this, give his testimony instead of preaching. We had folk come forward to get saved. He was that kind of a man. And we got off the plane at this town in Saskatchewan, and there was the three of the committee members there. They said, uh, actually, we're kind of sorry we're having this crusade. I said, well, that's a great start. They said, well, we've had it for 13 years and nothing's happened. I said, well, let's go and see what God does. First night I preached, it was like everything being thrown in my face. It was absolutely the most horrible meeting. It was terrible. I, the invitation was go home and pray, please. And I got a hold of pastors. I said, guys, we've got to get together and pray. So Monday morning, 10 o'clock in the church, there were the 20 pastors that were in the crusade, Bible-believing preachers in the crusade. And I said, well, I gave a verse of Scripture to her and sang a song. And I said, well, let's, uh, let's go to our knees and pray. And, brother, you start, and we'll just go around and I'll close. It was the dumbest prayer meeting I had ever been in. First of all, they were quoting Scripture. You think the Lord didn't know what he wrote. Then I realized they're trying to impress each other with their knowledge of Scripture. And some would put on their prayer voice and talk to me that way. I'd think you're crazy. Oh, Lord. And I said, Lord, this is ridiculous. Devern prayed. It was my turn. Lord made it clear. Keep quiet. I said, Lord, they're going to think I've fallen asleep. Keep quiet. For five minutes, dead silence. All of a sudden, the voice came out. Lord, what's the matter? You haven't done a thing for me. It was a 21-year-old Christian Missionary Alliance preacher, young buck. And I was kneeling in the front so I could lean back. And he got up and he went over to the other side of the auditorium and tapped this pastor on the shoulder. And the pastor looked up, this kid started to bawl. He said, I've been jealous of you. I've hated you. Please forgive me. All heaven broke loose. That pastor got up, threw his arms around that boy and apologized for his feelings. The pastors started to hug each other and cry and weep. Please forgive me. That prayer meet went on for three hours. The men were thanking God. One man said, oh, my church, we got to pray for you, brothers. You got that. There were no denominations anymore. It was God. That night, we didn't have enough counselors. People streamed forward to get saved. I sat in the midst of another revival. So we said, we got to have prayer meetings. So we said, people, we're going to have prayer meetings. After the service, we had three largest churches in the town, and together they comprised about 1,800 seats. Can you believe after every service, and their service didn't quit until midnight, those churches were packed till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. People prayed like mad for the town, and God was saving souls like it was unreal. We were there for two weeks. Well, we had one dear pastor. He was a dear Baptist brother, a wonderful guy, but the quiet type, never said much. One morning he came in, and he was shouting, literally. And we all looked, wow, what's happened to him? He said, last night, man, last night, what had happened? A man, Calgary, Alberta, knew the Bible, became a godly family, but didn't want any part of it. He had a godly wife and two children and that were born again. And he said, look, I've had it. I'm leaving you. I'm going to thumb my way to Toronto. I'm getting a divorce. We're finished. You can have everything, the house, the car, and all. And he took off. The last ride he got was late at night from a farmer who dropped him off a couple of, maybe a couple of miles from the town I'm talking about. And he said, there'll be a motel you can get. The guy started to walk. He crossed the sign that said the name of the town. And he came under some conviction. He shook. He was terrified. He was going to hell. Oh, God, help me. One light on in the house at that late night he ran to the house, pounded on the door. A man came to the door. He said, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you can help me, but I'm going to hell. Can you help me? It was this pastor. He led him to Jesus. A man called his wife and told her he got saved. He's coming home. 
Boy, we had some shouting at me. Men, that's what we desperately need in our churches is a touch of God like that. And that will happen only when we get right with the Lord and determine we're going to pray. We need to pray America will see an awakening, a revival, a renewal, a reformation that'll just sweep this country into the arms of God where millions can come to Christ before the rapture. Gentlemen, the answer is prayer. First person, singular pronoun, and then your prayer meetings, prayer requests. And what I did at this other church, which is interesting as I closed this session, I put out prayer cards. If you have any prayer requests, put your name on and so forth and so on. I'll remember them in prayer. At the end of that month, I was praying for over 600 prayer cards. I walk when I pray. You know how many miles I was covering? I was getting in shape, that's for sure. But I watched God in his marvelous, marvelous way. And the people that they were praying for, they were bringing to church. And they them personally, because they had marked their Bibles for soul winning, they were leading them to Jesus. This is how you build a successful ministry. Don't miss it, guys. Prayer meeting should be packed out. People wanting to pray because God is there and we love God. The Lord bless you, man. Thanks so much for joining us as we learn what a real prayer meeting can do to a church. We pray that this episode gives you the encouragement to start your own prayer meeting. And we are excited to hear what God does through it. Until next time, God bless.